The last lesson for a while from the book of Acts, we've been looking at this particular section in Acts uh, from chapter 13 to chapter 19, which is depicting these messages of salvation. Paul going into various cities and he's proclaiming the gospel and we've been spending our time looking at how he teaches the people what the message of salvation looked like in each city that he would go into. It is interesting that we have in Acts chapter 19 that we have the Apostle Paul coming into a city of Ephesus. Uh, it, it's hard for us to get our mind around what these cities were like. We looked at last week with Corinth, and I tried to relate it to you that Corinth would maybe be in the Las Vegas dynamic in terms of massive immorality that's completely acceptable. Uh, what happened in Corinth probably stayed in Corinth, and that was just the image of what Corinth represented. But when you were at Ephesus, you might be more in a New York City or a Los Angeles that this was a place of opulence. It's a place where people wanted to travel. It was a very important city within the Roman Empire. And that'll even be noted in the text as we go through it, that Ephesus was a place to be, a place to live where people were traveling and coming to on a regular basis. But what you're going to see God's big message to be is that to show that the true power belongs to God alone. You, you see this set up for us in Acts chapter 19 and in verse 11. Acts chapter 19 and verse 11, where it reads there that God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. I think the wording is important that it's not Luke just saying, uh, Paul's going around doing miracles. No, God is showing power. God is doing miracles through the Apostle Paul. And I want you to notice that they are described as extraordinary because even in verse 12 it says that even the handkerchiefs or the aprons that touched Paul's skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. That's amazing. Paul didn't even have to be there. But items that are touching Paul are being taken to the sick and the diseased. And the power of God is on display and healing is happening. It is reminiscent of back in Acts chapter 5. Where remember, we're told that even Peter's shadow might fall on those who were being laid in the streets as ill so that they would be healed. Similar idea here to just truly show the extraordinary power of God on display. That power is humorously depicted in the next few verses because in verse 13 we have some traveling Jewish exorcists. They seem to want to go around casting out evil spirits and they see what Paul is able to do casting out these evil spirits by the name of Jesus. And so verse 13, they undertake to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus uh, over those who had evil spirits saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Let's kind of visualize that. Here's this guy who's suffering with this demon possession and evil spirit and these traveling Jewish exorcists go up and say, all right, I'm casting you out by the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. Listen to this in verse 15. The evil spirit answered, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I recognize, but who are you? <laughs> 
<laughs> you come in and go, okay, uh, this Jesus and Paul guy, I cast you out by their name. We're like, who in the world are you? <laughs> what are you talking about? And not only does that happen, verse 16, the man who was who had the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered them all, overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. They just get beat up over that. So it says in verse 17 that this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. I think you have a really interesting picture here because, again, it is trying to drive at that the true power of uh, of God is really it alone. It is in God alone that this power exists. And what you have these guys doing is almost trying to set themselves up as gods. We can cast out demons too. We just need to say the magic words. This Jesus whom Paul proclaims, that's going to make this work. And man, they just get torn to shreds trying to do something like that. But I think it is an interesting image that's given to us because I think one of the things as we talk about these gods that we make in our lives is that one of the primary gods we make is ourselves as gods. We set ourselves up as having power. That's what these guys are doing. Oh, we can do that too. We have the power. We see Paul. He uses some words in the name of Jesus be cast out. We can adopt that ourselves. We can make much of ourselves. We can have that control. We can have that power. We will make ourselves important gods and we will say the very same things and it's going to work out fine. And you notice God goes, it's not going to work like that. True power belongs to God alone. And one of the big things that I think happens for us as a great temptation is that we try to make ourselves gods. We have power. We have control over our lives. We determine our destiny. We will set our own course. We will blaze our own trail. We will make what we want out of our lives. Our our culture infuses that kind of language into us. You will be the captain of how your life is going to go. Which is why 18 months ago, I stood on my head and said, how is that working for you? You thought you were going to be in control of your life and do all these things. And God said, "Uh, let me show you how that's not in your hands. And just put a pandemic through the world and said, there you go. Now, how much control do you have? Are you really your own God? Do you really have a say? Do you really have that kind of power? You don't. And yet so often we do that and our culture just really, that's the air that we breathe right now where the culture just tells you, you are a God, you are in charge. It's all about you. You have a say, you can do whatever you want and you will lay it all out before yourself. I mean, we've gotten to a point where we are making ourselves to be such gods that we can even deny that you were either born with two X chromosomes or an X and a Y chromosome. We'll just defy science. We are gods. We'll tell science it's wrong. We'll tell everybody that I have power over what is known. We make ourselves gods. This is the issue of what these guys are doing is we're in charge. We can do whatever we want. And I want you to see the image that's put before us here is that this leads to disaster. This is the doom that is being depicted here in Ephesus, that there are people who think they can make themselves gods. 
You can be and do and accomplish anything because you have the power. And God's trying to say to us over and over again that that is not true. I want you to notice, though, thankfully, in verse 18, that even though this event happens and it causes people to recognize the true and living God beautifully in verse 18, it says that there were many of those who were now believers who came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them all in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found that it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. And so the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Beautiful pictures that there are some who believe. And notice it says they confess their practices. They divulge these magic arts and say, we realize that this is false, that this is wrong. We're not going to keep practicing these things. But I want you to see the expense by which they confess this. It says in our text, the value of the books that they gave up came, was found to about to be 50,000 pieces of silver. A piece of silver is typically a day's wage. So 50,000 days of wages, you're at millions of dollars easily. And if you want to go home and calculate for yourself 50,000 times what you make every day, you'll, you'll get to millions of dollars. They're willing to sacrifice that. In understanding that the true power belongs to God and not in these magic arts and not in these books and in these false practices, but in God alone, they confess their sins, they confess these practices, they give them up even to a detrimental cost. Again, it is a recognition of the power of God. Now, you would hope. That this would be the end of the story. Ephesus lived happily ever after. Everybody understood that power belongs to God alone. And we will give up these idols. Give up these false practices. We will not make ourselves God. But we will yield to the true and living God. And we're told in verse 21 that after these things have have, uh, transpired for a while. That Paul decides to stay in Ephesus. Some of his companions are sent away. And in verse 24, we have then, uh, 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 verse 23, a very big disturbance happens regarding Jesus. Demetrius is a silversmith who makes these shrines for the goddess Artemis. And that brings them a pretty big business. It would, I wish, you know, 30 extra minutes of preaching, we could pull up images and talk about The power of Ephesus, it was considered in the temple there as one of the wonders of the ancient world at that time. And the text wants you to get a sense of the importance of the worship that took place in Ephesus to this goddess. In verse 27, the the people point out people all over Asia and all over the world would come to this temple for worship. This is no small peanuts temple just sitting over here that the people of Ephesus, you know, just got their kicks out of. People all over the empire came to this temple. 
And he's noting that, that what we have here is something significant. This is a, an important place of, uh, of worship. In fact, in verse 35, it'll say that Ephesus is the guardian of the sacred stone and of the, the temple here that, of, of Artemis. And so we have been placed in this important place where we have all kinds of influence and impact. And so look at what Paul is teaching. Why is Demetrius so upset Why does a riot form in Ephesus over all of this? Notice what the charge is in verse 26. Verse 26, and you see and hear not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people saying that gods made with hands are not gods. Say, so what's the problem? Well, here's the problem. Paul is in Ephesus and he's going around to other cities. We've already seen him in Athens. And he's proclaiming this message. If you make a God with your hands, it's not a God. Sounds logical. <laughs> if you have to craft it, if you have to make it, if it's something that you have to give your time, effort and energy to, it must not be a God. Sounds logical. I have a kind of a question to ask. Sometimes what we can do is we would look back on the ancient world and look back at these people and say, well, you guys are really stupid because you don't understand that obviously if you make a God, it's really not a God. We're so much more enlightened. We're so much smarter. They must have just been so dumb back then to build some kind of statue and bow down to it. I mean, what, what a bunch of dummies. And, and I want us to, to, to have a sense that they knew that. It, it's not like we should sit here and go, now how dumb were they? <laughs> they would think that their little shrine idols were something that had, you know, a real tangible benefit or something like that. They, they're not clueless. And I think what's important then to ask here in this moment is, so why will these people not listen to Paul? If Paul's message is simply this, if you have to make it, it's not a God. If it's something that you have to construct, if you make it with your hands, it's not a God. Why does that message turn into a riot? Why is it that the people of Ephesus on the whole are going to reject that truth? And I think there's two reasons that the text gives to us that Demetrius brings up as he lays this out. I want you to notice then beginning in verse 24, we are told that this is a profitable business. Notice verse 24, where it says there that these silver shrines of Artemis that are being sold, it brought them a great business. No little business to these craftsmen. But notice then verse 25. Here's his first point. These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, men, you know that from this business, We have our wealth. Why are they not going to listen to Paul? Why are they going to continue in their idolatrous ways? Why are they not going to reject the foolishness of idolatry? Very simple first point. Demetrius says, 
we make an awful lot of money this way. That's how he first rounds up everybody. This is our livelihood. This is our riches. This is our prosperity. This is what makes us comfortable. This is how we're able to pay for everything. This is our great wealth. And we are going to lose it if we let this guy run around telling everybody that God's made with hands are not God's. We can't let him do that because we're going to lose our business. We're not going to be wealthy anymore. The ultimate problem is that they might lose money. They might lose their job. They might lose this career. They might lose their prosperity and they might lose their wealth. One of the reasons we maintain our idolatrous ways and we have these gods that we will not give up out of our lives is because we want to worship wealth and prosperity and comfort and career and promotion. We make a big deal about that. The reason we don't want to change is because we don't want to lose that. That's what they're saying. We don't want to lose that. Wait, okay, these gods are not gods, but that's okay. We will worship gods that are not gods because we want to pursue more money. We want to make more money. We want that, that ability to have that kind of wealth and that kind of comfort. We want to live with that kind of thing. And I hope you see the contrast of what was described about these believers just a little bit earlier in verse 19, where it says they are divulging their practices and they are burning these false books of magic arts to the tune of millions of dollars is being given up. That's what they're forfeiting. We don't care what they're worth. We don't care their value. We don't care the wealth that may be involved in it. We will burn them. We will get rid of them. We will sacrifice them because we have come to the truth. And I just want us to think about how easy it is for us to be like the people in Ephesus. Is that we won't devote our lives to Jesus the way that he wants. We won't be sacrificial. We won't truly devote ourselves to him because we want our wealth. We want our stuff. We want our houses and our cars and our paychecks and our big bank accounts and our retirement. And we want our stuff and our things and our career. And it's really about that. This is part of what is at the the fray here happening in Ephesus. Some people are willing to say, I'm willing to forfeit all that regardless of expense. And some people are saying, we can't worship the true and living God because it's going to cost us financially. It's going to hurt us. And we want to pursue wealth. We want to pursue money. We want to pursue career. We want to go after those things. And so they are unwilling to do this. And that is what Demetrius is able to do is talk to everybody and say, hey, man, this business is more important than considering the true and living God. You making money is more than that. I hope you'll think about that idea, because sometimes we have the tendency to have the same mentality that the true and living God can wait while we go pursue the things of this world. 
we're going to go make a big deal about ourselves and it's going to be our career and we're going to make a lot of money. And once I get really far in my job and I get really high up as a career and I make a whole lot of money, then I'm going to have so much money and so much time that I'm going to be able to give to God and serve him. That's the logic that's often presented. And that's serving the gods that are not gods. You're putting God over here to the side and saying, well, he'll wait for me over here while I go do these other pursuits. While I run after these other things and he'll be there waiting for me one day after I get all rich and famous and do all these wonderful things. It's the same mentality that Demetrius has. We need to worry about right now our stuff. It is serving idols. It is serving these gods. The second argument that he makes is pretty similar right here in the same text. In verse 25, he speaks about the wealth. In verse 26, he's saying that Paul's going around telling everybody that gods made with hands are not gods. Verse 27, and there is danger not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing and that she may even be deposed from her magnificence she whom all asia and the world worship did you catch the second argument the first argument is we make a lot of money that's why we can't let this happen we're not going to give up this these false gods and these pursuits because we make a lot of money the second one is we're pretty important people because of it we have a reputation to uphold this whole thing might all fall down and be counted as nothing and considered of, of disrepute altogether. We can't have that happen. Our reputation is on the line. People come here and buy our stuff and we're important. We have a reputation to uphold. Think about what people will think about us if we no longer offer to these gods and sell these things and we tear this temple down to Artemis, Nobody in the world is going to care about us anymore. It's all going to fall into nothing. And friends, so often we choose to worship our false gods that are not gods because we want people to think we're important. We make decisions so that people will look at us in such a way that they'll say, oh, that's somebody really important. What a reputation they have. They're so, so neat. All about them. You might remember that the Apostle Paul said something about this. In Philippians 2, when he said that being a follower of Jesus means that you make yourself nothing. We often separate two paragraphs away from each other. You might know from Philippians 2 verses 5 through 8 and talking about how Jesus taking on the form of the servant, made himself nothing and comes to this earth. But the line right before that said that you and I are supposed to have the same attitude that's seen in Christ who made himself nothing and came to this earth. The whole idea of following Christ is that we make ourselves nothing. 
that we don't make life about ourselves. It's not about promotion of self. Look at me, I'm important. Let me show you how valuable I am. And so often we can think, oh, I don't do that. I don't care about my reputation. I don't care what people think. We all will say that to you. I ever, there's not a single person who probably admit, I just, I care what people think. No, we all don't care what people think. Really? I believe your social media probably says otherwise. And the way that we dress may say otherwise. Even career choices can say otherwise. I want people to think a certain way about me. I want them to see certain things about me. I want them to look at me and go, that is the perfect life with the perfect wife and the perfect family, the picket house and the 2.5 kids. And it is everything that everybody says I'm supposed to have. It's the American way, right? House, family. I don't know how we got two and a half kids, but that's always put out there. It's two and a half kids. If you get the half, tell me about that. White picket fence. That's the culture we're in as well. What people think about you matters. And the reason that really comes into collision with Christ is because we start putting ourselves forward rather than Christ. We start making life about us. Look at me. Look at what I do. Look at what I make. Look at where I'm at. Look at what I accomplish. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. That's what Demetrius is arguing is, guys, we're important in this city and we don't want to lose that. We've made a name for ourselves. People respect us. People come to us. People buy their things from us and they want to be us. And we can read this in in its ancient times and go, well, thankfully we're not like that. But yet we can so easily be the same where we worship gods that are not gods because we want people to think a certain way about us. Whether it be by what we wear, what we drive, what we post, what we say, we want people to think a certain way about us. We're not interested in in making ourselves nothing for the cause of Christ. We want to be something We want to be on the pedestal and we want people to watch and see. I think this is so important for our consideration. Again, when we put ourselves and see these gods that we make for ourselves. And I just want you to think about the the world we live in at this time. We make ourselves gods that we're going to put ourselves first. We're the number one. We do what matters to us. That is everything about our world right now. And here is Paul challenging them and showing that's not it. Or we make gods out of our wealth and our prosperity. The most important thing is that you have money and comfort. You need to have wealth. You need to have stuff and a lot of it. You need to have so much stuff that you don't even know what to do with it. Have so much stuff you can't even park a car in your garage because you have so much stuff. This is the victory of our of our culture. Have stuff, have stuff, have more stuff. Have so much stuff that you don't even know the stuff you have. Wealth, 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 wealth. And make sure everybody knows about it. Make sure everybody knows who you are, what you have, what you do. Make sure it's about you. 
But friends, you and I know these gods can't save us. These gods can't save us. We can say to ourselves all day long, I'm going to be in charge of my own life, but you can't control what's going to happen next. You can have all the plans in the world and have it completely evaporate the next day. I will keep using COVID as an example of that. All of your plans of 2020 went to smoke. Everything you thought you had power over was taken completely out of your hands. You thought you had control of what you would do the next day? Wrong. You thought you had control of where you were going to go? Wrong. All those plans, gone. And is wealth going to save you? Is wealth really helping all that? All of our, all of our stuff and all of our money really worked out. So I'm going to keep kidding about it. We all still, have, still didn't have toilet paper. All the money we had, nobody had toilet paper. Well, we're, we're so powerful. You know, we have so much power. The gods that we make of ourselves, we can't even control that. And how did your reputation really do with all that? None of these gods help us. And I want us to listen to some of the, the pictures that are given to us in scriptures. You might remember in the book of Daniel that you have Daniel trotted in before Belshazzar, who has had the hand right on the wall and tell him, you know, you think you have all this power and you think you have all of this wealth and it's all going down tonight. It's just over and done where you, you have the, the Persians who are coming in are going to just take the place. Of course, he didn't even grasp that as he's continuing the party. The words that Daniel says here, you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. See, the God we make is that I hold my life in my hand. And all of my ways and all of my plans and all of my pursuits are in my hand. Everybody does that. All of us do that. Belshazzar did that. I'm king of Babylon. I have control of my life and my plans. And Daniel comes in and goes, no, you don't. You think you're going to be here tomorrow, Belshazzar? You are not. It is God who holds in his hand your life, your breath, and all of your ways. Let me get to the application then for this morning. And I want to bring in Isaiah as we consider the choice that is before us. Acts 19 is just putting a choice before you and before me. You either can destroy the gods that you make or you can be ruled by the gods you make. That's your choice. You can either be like these Ephesians who take these false gods and take these books and take the nonsense and they just toss them. We're done. We realize it's not going to deliver us. We realize it's false and we're not going to serve them. Or you can be like Demetrius and just try to blaze on. Hey, it's all about our wealth and it's all about our stuff and it's about our reputation. Or even this humorous scene about some traveling Jewish exorcists who think they can be gods and have the power and they're beat up as they think that that's really going to help. When we are ruled by our gods, we can't see life properly. This is really the encouragement I want to give to you is that when we think we're in charge, that we are our own gods, that we're going to be just 
get that wealth. We're going to pursue the things of this world. It's about us and our reputation. We're not able to see life properly. Isaiah talks like this, very similar to the question we're asking about these Ephesians. When here is Demetrius saying, Paul's going around saying that gods are not gods if they're made. And you go, surely you understand that. But a delusion happens in our minds and in our hearts when we pursue those gods. Listen to what Isaiah says in Isaiah 44, verse 18. Here talking about the people. They do not know, nor do they comprehend, for their eyes are shut and they cannot see in their minds as well, so that they cannot understand. The whole setup to that section is talking about this foolish person who takes a piece of wood, and after he gets his piece of wood, he takes some of it and he makes a fire out of it to warm himself, and then with the rest of the wood, he makes an idol out of it and bows down to it and can't figure out that it's the same object that you used with your own power to take care of yourself and at the same time are bowing to something that's false and useless. And Isaiah says, here's why that is. Because you can't see life properly. Chasing after gods bends the way you're supposed to look at life. Such that he even says two verses later, he feeds on ashes. A deluded mind has led him astray and he cannot save himself or say... Is not this thing in my right hand a fraud? I love that. You get so steeped into the idolatrous practices that you can't even pull back out of it for the moment and realize that this whole thing is a sham that you're worshiping. And friends, that's so important for us to see that we're like this picture when we think and act and make decisions as if I'm God I'm in control I'm in charge and I'm going to keep pursuing the things of this world and one day it's going to pay off for me the way I want it to pay off it's going to give me that satisfaction it's going to take care of me it's going to be my rescue it's going to be my comfort And Isaiah, by the power of God, is saying, you can't even see the foolishness of this kind of thinking. We read it. We read Demetrius and go, boy, how silly it is that you can't see what God is offering because you are so consumed by your craft work for these little shrines that you sell that has made you a lot of money and given you a lot of reputation. You just can't even see what God's trying to do. And I hope that we would just kind of take a step back and ask ourselves if we've done that too. Because it's only when we destroy these gods that we have made that we will able to be able to enjoy freedom. We will continue to be locked in by these false gods. And I just want to ask you to just be honest this morning. What God have you made for yourself? What God are you serving? And you can answer that easily by just asking yourself, what's the goal of your life? What do you prize? What do you value? What matters most to you? What do you desire in this life? 
what means so much to you. That's your idol. That's your God. What we place that weight on. What thing do you need to have and that if you had it, you would be satisfied? Or what thing do you need to do that if you achieved it, you would now be satisfied? That's your God. That is your idol. I hope that we would see that it might be costly. There will be sacrifice in coming to the living God and serving him the way God says. There are going to be sacrifices. But what is the the value of your eternal soul? What's it worth to you for eternity? Will the pursuits of this world look wise when we have to stand before God and account for the choices that we've made and these pursuits that we have given, the gods that we have made, will it be worth it to you to enjoy eternal paradise even if it meant losing something along the way? Jesus told a parable where he said, that he is offering something so valuable, so extremely valuable, that it's worth selling all that you have, joyfully selling all that you have to go and attain it. He used a picture of hidden pearls and hidden treasures. And it's going to be worth it. Don't let the gods of this world influence your mind into such a way to think that you are finding your satisfaction, your joy, your hope, your rescue, your life in the pursuits of this world. Step out of that world. Step out of that way of thinking. And I encourage you to destroy the God that you have made. What is it that rules over your life? What is it that's controlling you? What is it that's interfering with you serving God the way you know you want to? From the pursuit of wealth and career, sexual immorality, reputation, importance. There are so many gods that this world puts before us and says, you do those things. Which are you captured by? And will you destroy them so that you could have freedom in Christ? Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father. I think, Lord, we like to think as your followers that there are no idols and that that is something of a world in days past. And yet, Lord, we recognize that we live in a culture at a time that is pressing idolatry all around us, though it's not physically observed. Lord, I pray that you would increase our wisdom and increase our spiritual awareness to see when we are serving the God of ourself, when we are serving our own fleshly desires, when we are serving the God of reputation and importance, when we are serving a God of wealth and possessions and comfort. Help us to see, Lord, when we've made those decisions. And help us to understand the truth that the Apostle Paul proclaimed. That gods made with our hands are not gods at all. Help us to see our frailty. 
Help us to see our lack of power. Help us to see our lack of ability to control the very next breath we take, but that all these things are in your hands. Lord, forgive us for our pursuits of idolatry. Forgive us for chasing after the gods of this world. Forgive us for when we have pushed you to the side and have been seeking the world rather than you. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen our devotion in such a way so that we would reject the sinful ways of the world and put aside these gods that so often cling to us and that they so often trap us and cause us to not enjoy the spiritual freedom that you want us to enjoy. Forgive us and help us, Lord, as we make that effort. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing an invitation song. We invite you to come to Jesus this very morning. And I hope this week you'll really just think about what are the gods that you have in your life? It's easy to dismiss that question. Oh, I don't have any gods. There's no idols in our lives. But that's all around us. It's so easy to adopt. What do you desire in this world? What's that's considered your treasure? What do you value? If your first answer is not worship of God, praising God, serving God, eternity with God, then there are idols. There are things that are blocking. We want to help you get rid of those. If there's any way we can help you do that, to help you turn away from your sins, to walk with you in a way so that you can follow him faithfully with all of your heart. We're here to help you in any way. Won't you let us know? Won't you come while we stand and while we sing?